know that you just sat, I'm going to ask you to stand once again, please. Today is September 11th. Uh, for those of us who've been around for a couple of decades, we remember uh, 2001, September 11th, and uh, the attack upon our nation. And so we, uh, we always say, <clears throat> never forget. Amen? So we always take a moment to, uh, to, to just remember that day. Nearly 3,000 people died uh, in the attack on our nation. And then following that, our military went into action. And we had so many young men and women go into battle defending freedom in our nation. And so we, wanna, we just want to remember that and acknowledge that. Uh, we also want to acknowledge all of those men and women who continue to serve in our, in our armed forces. Amen? And uh, to just know that we, we really appreciate them, those who may be watching our stream this morning that are serving in our military, we appreciate you and we love you. Um, I want you to also uh, be praying for my son, uh, Tyler. He is uh, with us this morning. He's right, he's right over here with his mama. So, um, yeah, so next week he's deploying to Kuwait for uh, probably about nine months. So I ask you to be praying for him. Um, next Sunday, my wife and I will be uh, down at uh, Camp Smith for their sending ceremony when uh, they're all going to be going to Kuwait. So, uh, yeah, so pray for him and pray for our military and let's pray for our nation. We need wisdom in our government. We need wisdom in our government. And, uh, you know, we just celebrated, well, not celebrated, we just commemorated Forgive me for saying celebrated. We commemorated uh, just a couple of uh, weeks ago when we had left uh, Afghanistan and uh, the tragedy that occurred there in our, our departure, the chaos and the servicemen and women who died as we left there. And um, we need to uh, pray that God gives us wise leaders uh, because I'm concerned that we aren't seeing that now. And I'm sorry to say that. And I only say that because I believe we need to pray for that. And uh, I'm concerned, uh, as I know that you are too, um, what could be brewing right now as we speak, where the Taliban and Al-Qaeda and even, and even ISIS is still at work over there in Afghanistan. And the same elements that were in existence prior to September 11, 2001, are in existence now, in operation. And even now, our borders are open and there is free flow of people into our country. And I only say that so that we will be aware, and we will be alert, and we will pray, because I'm concerned about what may come. And you know I've been saying that, that I, I believe that, that there could be some things coming our way, and we need to be prayerful, and we need to be ready, and prepared, and, and uh, when those things happen, that we don't lose our faith. Amen? That we know God is in control, no matter what happens, but that doesn't mean we don't pray, that doesn't mean that we're not diligent. So let's pray for our nation. Let's pray for our government. Let's pray for our military. So Father, in Jesus' name, Lord, we recognize, Lord, that we are in dangerous times. Though, Lord, here in the U.S., we are largely uh, insulated right now, and we feel secure and safe, that, Lord, we recognize that there are evil forces in this world that would seek to destroy and so in the name of Jesus, we thank you for your blessing upon our nation. And Lord, we ask that you would continue to strengthen, Lord God, uh, the, just the security of our, our land. And that, Lord, you would come against evil 
in this world. Those that are plotting evil, those that are plotting destruction, we come against that in the name of Jesus. And we pray, Lord God, that, that Lord, you would thwart those strategies and those designs, those devices of the enemy, not only against our nation, but against all peoples, Lord God. We just come against evil in this world. Lord, we pray, God, for our government. We, Lord, we're asking you for wise leaders. Come on, church. Lord, we need wise leaders. We need wisdom, Lord God, in our government, God. Enough of this politics. Enough of this divisiveness. Enough of this back and forth between political parties, Lord God, and this pandering. Lord, we need leaders who are wise, who understand the times, Lord God, who wake up and are alert, Lord, to the evil that is trying to penetrate our world, our nation even now. We pray, God, that you'll open up their eyes, that you'll awaken them in the middle of the night, that you will give them ears to hear and eyes to see and hearts to understand, Lord. We pray that you will put, Lord, the fear of God in our nation's leaders, Lord, that these be men and women who will fear God and who will do right and who will rule with justice, Lord, in the name of Jesus. We thank you, Lord, for the men and women that serve in our military around the world and at home. We pray that you'll bless them and you will guard them and you'll protect them, Lord God. Be with Tyler, Lord, as he is going to be deploying. We pray that you'll protect him, that you'll watch over him, keep him safe, Lord, and use him for your glory to shine the light there, Lord God, among those troops, Lord. We put it all in your hands, Lord. We know that, Lord, America, if, if America is great, it's not because of our military, our wealth, or our government. It's because of your grace and your blessing. We give you the glory. We give you the honor. We give you the praise, Lord, and we humble ourselves before you. We do not flex our muscles or throw out our chest or hold up our chins. Lord God, we humble ourselves before you and acknowledge that we need the hand of God upon our nation, Lord God. So Lord, help us to return to you. Lord, help us to repent for our sins. Help us to repent, God, for our, our boldness and our rebellion, Lord God, and to, and to be submitted to your will and to your ways, Lord God. We thank you for hearing our prayers today in Jesus' name. And everyone said? Amen. 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 You may be seated. Praise the Lord. Well, God bless you. If you're new to our church this morning, we're glad to have you with us. My name's Greg Johnson. I serve here as lead pastor. God bless you to those joining us uh, at, at Mission Church online. We're so glad that you're with us today. Take your Bibles and uh, turn with me to the book of Exodus. The book of Exodus. This is Connect Group Sunday. And so today I want to talk about the, the power of connection. Everybody say connection. The power of connection. Exodus chapter 17, verse 8. Now, Amalek came and fought with Israel at Rephidim, and Moses said to Joshua, choose us some men and go out. Fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on the top of the hill with the rod of God in my hand. So Joshua did as Moses said to him and fought with Amalek. And Moses, Aaron, and Hur went up to the top of the hill. And so it was when Moses held up his hand that Israel prevailed. And when he let down his hand, Amalek prevailed. But Moses' hands became heavy. So they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it. And Aaron and Hur supported his hands, one on one side and the other on the other side. And his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. So Joshua defeated Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword. Moses was one of the greatest leaders 
in the Bible. He's what we would call a Bible hero. You know his story. He was born a slave. He rose to prominence in Egypt. Uh, he, he left Egypt um, and then returned to lead Israel out of slavery, then across the desert wilderness for 40 years until they entered the promised land. I mean, aside from Jesus, Moses is probably the most prominent, the most well-known character in, in the Bible. And in our text here, Moses finds himself with Israel in a battle against this people called the Amalekites. And after a day of fighting, Israel emerges victorious under Moses' leadership. But did Moses and Israel, did they win because of Moses' own greatness? Because of his strategic acumen or his leadership skills or because of his deep spirituality and, and prayer life? Is that why Israel won the day? No. Moses won. Israel won not so much because of Moses, but because there were other people around Moses supporting him in that battle. Verse 9 says that Joshua was the one leading the troops into battle. Verse 12 says that Aaron and Hur held up Moses' arms. It's important to know that Moses wrote the book of Exodus. He's the author of this book. And when he wrote this book and told this story, he didn't simply say, Israel won the battle because Moses raised his rod to God and the enemy was defeated. He didn't do that. He was sure, instead, to write about the part that Joshua played in this battle. He was, he was careful to include the part that Aaron and Hur played in this battle because Moses wanted everyone to know that none of us wins our battles on our own. We win. This was the point that Moses wanted us to see. He didn't have to include these details, but he did. He wanted us to see that we win when we surround ourselves with people who will hold up our arms when we're weary and help us when we fight our battles. Now, this is not just a story for leaders. We often hear this, this story in the context of, of leadership and teams and things like this. This is an example for all of us today. That each of us, each of us sitting here today, we all need the right kind of people around us, supporting us, encouraging us, helping us when we come, not if, when we come under attack. This story it's about relationships. It's about camaraderie. It's about community. And this is what connect groups are all about. Because when you surround yourself, when you are intentional and deliberate, as Moses was, when you surround yourself with the right people, like Moses did, and, and like you find in connect groups, it raises our faith, it provides us with support, and it defeats the enemy when he attacks us. It's called the power of connection. Everybody say connection. It's the power of connection. That's what we see when Moses surrounded himself with the right people. First, we see that in doing that, that power of connection 
It raises our faith. It raises, everybody say raises our faith. So Moses told Joshua, you go into battle and I will stand on the hill and I will raise my rod to the Lord. And when he raised his rod, Israel prevailed over the enemy. But when his arms got tired and he lowered his rod, what happened? The enemy prevailed. So Aaron and Hur came alongside of him, stood beside him, held up his arms so that he could keep his rod raised up. Now, what is the significance of this raising of the rod? There's nothing magical about this rod. It's basically just a walking stick. Moses was a shepherd. Shepherds would have these walking sticks that helped them. It gave them stability, helped them to walk. They'd use it every day. We see first mention of this walking stick, this rod, in Exodus chapter 4 when Moses encounters the burning bush and God calls to Moses out of the burning bush to go back to Egypt and to confront Pharaoh and to lead his people out of slavery. And Moses is intimidated by this because he knows that uh, he's a fugitive in Egypt. And so he starts to put up excuses and he says, God, what if they don't, what if they don't listen to me, God? And God says to Moses, Moses, what's in your hand? And Moses says, a rod. And God tells him, throw it to the ground. So Moses throws it down and immediately God turns the rod miraculously into a serpent. And then God says, now pick up the serpent by the tail. And Moses said, are you kidding me? I don't like snakes. No, he didn't say that. Moses reached down, grabbed this, this serpent by the tail, and, the, and miraculously it turned back into the rod. That rod was the first thing God used to prove to Moses that he would be with him. As he carried that rod with him, it would be a reminder and a symbol that God was with him, that God would never leave him, and that God would exercise his power through Moses to accomplish what he had sent Moses to do. Right? From that moment forward in Exodus chapter 4, that walking stick became known as the rod of God. It would always be a sign to Moses. He'd always have it with him. A reminder to him, and not only to him, to all of the people of Israel of that burning bush encounter and God's promise to be the provider and the protector and the deliverer. So the rod of God, as it became called, became a part of Moses' ministry, even a symbol of his authority given to him by God. In Exodus chapter 7, when Moses appeared before Pharaoh, Moses threw that rod down and it became a serpent. Then when Moses stretched the rod over the river, the waters became blood. In Exodus 8, when the rod struck the ground, the dust turned into lice. In Exodus 9, when he raised the rod toward heaven, thunder and hail and fire rained upon the land. In Exodus chapter 10, it was the waving of the rod that brought the plague of locusts. In Exodus 14, when Moses plunged the rod into the Red Sea, the sea divided and Israel passed through on dry ground. Now, again, there's nothing magical about the rod. It had no inherent power. It was not a, a magical charm. It was not some kind of talisman that they worshipped. It was a symbol, a metaphor, a reminder of God's power among them. It's like when we see a cross. We don't worship the cross. It's a reminder to us, amen? We, we don't worship that. 
that Christ. It's just a reminder. It's just a symbol of what Christ had done. It's a symbol of our salvation and that because of Jesus, God will always be with us. Amen? You know, so some of us, we wear a cross, right? We have around our neck, and we're not worshiping it. It's just a symbol, right, of that cross that God is with me because of what Jesus has done. Amen? So when Moses raised the rod in Exodus 17, when they were fighting those Amalekites, it was an expression of faith, both to Moses and to all the Israelites in battle who would see Moses raising the rod, that the God who changes sticks into serpents and rivers into blood that rains fire from heaven and opens the Red Sea, that that same God is with them as they fought the Amalekites. That's all it was, a symbol, right? To raise the rod, a symbol, a demonstrate, a declaration, Moses would say, God is with us. But to drop the rod would also be symbolic. It would be symbolic of lowering our faith. It's, it's a giving in to our weariness, our fatigue, our exhaustion in the battle. It's failing to remind ourselves that God is able and that God will do what he said he would do. That's the symbolism of lowering the rod. Now, here's the crucial point. Here's what I want us to get. Sometimes... We need help raising the rod. Sometimes our faith is weak. Sometimes we get weary. And that ability to declare with conviction that God is with me, despite these Amalekites, God is working all things for the good. Even though I can't see him, even though I can't, sometimes we get weary and fatigued and exhausted. Amen? Has anybody ever been there? This is where Aaron and her come into the story. Thank God for Aaron and her. Because had it not been for Aaron and her, the people that were down there fighting would have never won their battle. Had Moses not been intentional in taking Aaron and her with him, you know, Moses could have said, hey, I'm Moses. I don't need anybody. Got me and my rod and Jesus, and I'm good. I don't need any help. Had he done that and not had Aaron and her, they would have lost the battle. But thank God, Moses made the decision to bring Aaron and her with him. Had he not been connected, his arms would have been unable to hold that rod of faith. So the point of this story is that no matter who you are or how spiritual you may be, even if you're Moses... <laughs> You're going to need some faithful people around you from time to time who can hold up your arms. If Moses was alone, he wouldn't have been victorious. And if you're alone, and if I'm alone, we won't be victorious. It doesn't matter how spiritual, how strong, how powerful you may be. Hebrews 10.25 says, Let us not forsake the assembling of ourselves together. Ephesians 4.16 says, let the whole body be, be joined and knit together. Philippians 1.27 says, stand fast in one spirit with one mind striving together. Colossians 2.19 says, hold fast to the body by being nourished and knit together. Moses didn't go to that mountain alone. He went together with Aaron and her. It's the power of connection. Amen. Ecclesiastes 4.9 says two are better than one 
because they have good reward for their labor. For if they fall, one will lift up his companion. But woe, look at this, but woe to him who is alone when he falls, for he has no one to help him up. Again, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one be warm alone? Though one may be overpowered by another, two can withstand him, and a threefold cord is not quickly broken. Now, I know many times we hear this scripture in the context of marriage and wedding ceremonies and things like this. But this is not just about marriage. That's, that's not the principle here. The principle here is connection. Amen? This isn't just for married people. This is for all people. It's about relationship. It's about not going up onto your mountain alone, but realizing you need Aaron and her to come with you because you might get weary. It's about having people around you who can help you raise your arms, people who can pray for you, people who can speak into you, people who can call you out on things. Hello? How many know some of us, we need to be called out on things, right? From time to time, right? Come on, tell the person next to you, you're not perfect. Okay? And sometimes you need some people around you to remind you <laughs> you're not all that. Come on. You think you're all that, but you're not all that, right? People to call you out on some of the things you're saying, some of the things you're repeating, right? Maybe you're hurt. Maybe you're offended. Maybe you're upset, and, and, you're, and you're, your tongue is getting the best of you. Anybody know what I'm talking about? None of you have ever been there? <laughs> we, we're, we all go there. Come on, right? The, tongue, the Bible says the tongue is the most unruly member of all. How many here have a tongue? That means you're all troublemakers, every one of you. We're all, every one of us, the tongue is an unruly evil. It is an unruly evil. Oh, you thought you were all beautiful and wonderful, didn't you? But you got an unruly evil right there in your mouth, right? And sometimes we need people around us who could say, hey, I don't know that maybe we should be talking about that. Maybe you're talking to the wrong person. You know, I love you and I hear what you're saying. I understand. But maybe you need to be talking to someone else. Amen. We all need people around us. That's what Ecclesiastes is talking about here, right? People who can speak into us and challenge us and call us out and love, on, love us enough, right? Amen? Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Amen? You ever have a friend wound you? No? Then you don't have any friends. You got sycophants, but you don't have any friends who will call you out on some things. Sometimes and get, and get a, that's what we need. We need people. That's what Ecclesiastes is telling us here. Woe to him who is alone when he falls. Some of us, are, we've fallen and we don't even know it. We've fallen from where we, we should be and we don't even know it because we don't have a faithful friend who will call us out and say, you know what, I think you kind of wandered off the track here a little bit. Hello? Don't be, like, don't, don't be like someone who says, I don't need... Be like Moses who said, you know what? I'm going to bring Aaron and her with me up to that mountaintop because I know there's going to be a long day and the sun is hot and the battle is weary and I don't have a lot of water up there and I'm going to need somebody up there probably to hold up my arms. Amen? The power of connection. And something else we see in this text. Aaron and her provided support to Moses when he was weary. We see that. They supported him. 
didn't just all hold up his arms. What does it say that they did? It says in verse 12, they took a stone and put it under him. Right? You know, you think about that. Aaron and her, they must have been some pretty tough dudes. I mean, it's a big enough stone for a dude to sit on. I mean, that's a big stone. Anybody ever move any stones around? You imagine these two guys moving this stone for Moses? Hold on, Moses, we're going to get you a stone, this big old boulder here. Anyway, that's just the way my mind works. They didn't just raise his rod. They found him a seat, and they said, Moses, you're weary. Take a seat. Thank God for Aaron and her who recognized that the leader was weary, and they said, you need to take a seat. Now, you might be here and say, well, you know what? I'm not weary. I feel pretty good. You know, I feel strong. I feel like, you know, I got my devotional life under control, my worship, and, you know, my service, and I'm, I'm doing, I'm working for the Lord. And th- I mean, I'm, I'm pretty good. My family's blessed financially, physically. I feel strong. I feel anointed. I guess I don't need Aaron and her. I guess I don't need relationships. I guess I don't need connect groups. But consider this. We often tend to identify with Moses in this story, but you may not be Moses in this story. Needing an Aaron and a her, you might be the Aaron and the her in this story. You hear what I'm saying? You may not be the, the Moses who needs support. You might be the Aaron and her giving support. Thank God for the Aaron's and the hers. Right? who don't just see themselves as people who always need to be ministered to, who aren't just coming in saying, somebody hold up my arm, somebody get me a seat, somebody minister to me, somebody take care of me, somebody give me my needs, somebody be aware of what I need to have. No, no, thank God for the Aaron's and the hers who are willing to go up a mountaintop for a long day of ministry and work holding up somebody else's arms. Amen? Right? See, we, we've all been groomed by this modern-day, consumer-driven, meet-my-needs, secular culture to view things only in terms of what's in it for me. And if the only reason that we do ministry or connect groups is what do I get out of it, how does it benefit me, then let me tell you something. We're still spiritual babies. We're still in the spiritual playpen looking for somebody to feed us and entertain us and take care of us. We're not really disciples handing out loaves and fishes. We're actually consumers just looking for another meal. Hello? Where are the Aaron's and the hers who say, it's not about me. I'm not coming here getting what I think I need I'm coming because I'm concerned about the people around me and I want to be able to serve and give and pour into and lift up some arms. Hello? I know we want people to come up into our mountains to hold up our arms in battles, but are we willing to go up onto other people's mountains during their battles and hold up their arms? Amen? This is the power of connection. It's not just about me. It's about the people who need me. It's part of the reason why we're making a change on Wednesday nights. Now, I know some are struggling. Some of the adults are struggling with the fact that we're changing encounter a little bit to where we are allowing the 
rural rangers to come in here in the sanctuary on Wednesday nights, and we're putting the adults over in, a, in the connect group in, in, in uh, the Shea Hall. And some people are saying, man, I'm really struggling with that because I need my time in the sanctuary on Wednesday night. I need, I need to come and have that worship time. I need to have that prayer. I need, I, need, I need to come in and get refreshed and have somebody hold up my arms and, and minister to me. But consider this. I get that, I, and that's significant. I don't belittle that, but consider this. We have about 100 children coming here on Wednesday nights. Many of them from broken homes, families where there's no dad, right? Coming from public school systems where they're being, who knows what they're being taught now, being groomed, being targeted. And God has given us the privilege on Wednesday nights minister to a hundred children, right? And not only that, we have, we have men serving in our rural rangers, women serving in our girls' ministries who work all day. All day they're at work. Or, they're, or moms at home with their families. And they come here on a Wednesday night to do what? They don't come into the sanctuary saying, oh, I need my worship time. I need... You know what they do? They go into the room with a bunch of kids. And some of us, we don't even like kids. <laughs> and they go in there after serving, fighting battle, doing warfare all day long, and they go in there, and they're holding up the arms of seven, eight, nine, ten-year-old kids, right? And so when I look at that, and how God has blessed that, and how God has brought these children in, and how we have this huge space here on a Wednesday night, and I say, isn't it? A better use of our resources? I mean, who were the adults here? This is what we do as adults, as mature followers of Christ. We say, it's not about my needs. It's what we do with our kids. It's not about, what do our kids need? What do our children need? Right? So, yeah. So, what we're going to do, uh, the adults, we're going to go into Shea Hall, and, Deshay, uh, and Jason Higdon is going to be leading an, an amazing connect group. Right? Where's Jason? Jason's back there. It's going to be an, an amazing connect. It's going to be a Bible study. It's going to be a Bible study. You're going to get the Word of God. Right? So he's going to be leading. So the adults are going to go there. And you know what? The Royal Rangers are going to come in here. So pray for the sanctuary. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> right? Amen? And, if, and you want to come on Wednesday nights? Come. If, and if you're thinking, you know, I don't feel like I want to go into a connect group. In the, I got another connect group. Great. Come on Wednesday night and help AJ out. <laughs> help the ladies out in girls' ministries. Amen? Thank God for Aaron's and hers. Yes? Amen. All right. Let me move on. We're going to close, actually, because we're out of time, and I want to give time to the connect groups. So, <clears throat> I just want us to be aware that if we try to do this Christian walk alone, we're not going to succeed. Moses gives us an amazing example of surrounding ourselves with capable people who can hold up our arms, who can strengthen us, who can minister support us, or opportunities where you can go into a connect group and you can be the Aaron and the her holding up someone else's arms. Amen? Amen. Amen.
So let's just bow our heads and let's just pray. So Father, we're thankful, God, for connect groups, Lord, and for this ministry, and, and Lord, for the people, the people who have stepped up and said, I want to be an Aaron and her, and I want to be, I want to be an arm raiser. I want to support others and provide a place where people can get ministered to. And I pray, God, that you'll bless those leaders. And I pray, God, that, that this morning, as we walk around this room and we look at the connect groups, that, God, you will speak to our hearts and draw us into a connect group to fellowship and to connect and to get stronger in our faith. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.